What's going on, everybody? This is Randall Barnes, the host of Pulse Radio, in the building for another special quick edition of Pulse Radio on today, where I want to give my unfiltered thoughts after the Nets got trounced by the Warriors 117 to 99. I thought it was going to be a really good game. We get to see Steph now at the top of his game versus Kevin Durant, who's been playing like an MVP. Uh, the Nets seem to have gotten their stride since the, the Kyrie Irving mess. James Harden has been playing himself back into shape. He's been looking pretty good, although he still likes to try to foul bait. He's been looking pretty good in recent games. The Nets had a little win streak they had going on. Uh, but the Warriors have been the best team in the NBA. And I think tonight they proved it. Uh, the game started off pretty nice. Um, it started off like a pretty close contest. Brooklyn came out in the first quarter. Kevin Durant was getting all the shots he wanted. Bruce Brown was starting to turn up a bit. And it was a really fun, fast-paced game. But in the second quarter, you saw the Warriors start throwing different defensive schemes at the Nets with the aims of trying to slow down Kevin Durant trying to get the ball out of KD and Harden's hands and forcing the other players on the team to try to beat them. And then the third quarter, which is always happens, it always happens with the Warriors. The Warriors just took off in that third quarter. They won the third quarter 35-18, to 18, and that was the lowest scoring quarter for the Nets in the whole entire game. And then after that, they just cruised to the victory. Steph Curry had 37 points. He inches closer and closer to catching Ray Allen all-time three-pointers. He hit nine three-pointers tonight by himself. He hit nine three-pointers. No one else on the team hit more than two, and the person that hit the second most threes was Andrew Wiggins that hit two out of three three-pointers. Like, so Steph is encroaching upon Ray Allen's records. So shout out to Steph Curry. Man, a suck, man. Been cooking with the sauce. Chef Curry with the pot, boy. You know what I'm saying? Because Steph Curry, man, I think he's really cementing himself as like an all-time top 10 great player to a lot of basketball purists, to a lot of folks that tried to diminish him, you know, because he had those couple of years of playing with Kevin Durant, because of how he changed the game with the three-pointers, you know, because of the fact that he hasn't won a finals MVP. And in a lot of, you know, playoff moments, he shrunk. And he didn't play up to what he should have played up to. Uh, but I think Steph Curry is one of the top 10 greatest players of all time. Honestly, um, I don't want to hop out the box and say this early in the season that they are going to win the finals, like how Stephen A. Smith and other prognosticators are saying. But you can't count out the Warriors. Like They went from slumping last year with Steph missing a few games. Of course, Clay missed the whole entire season on last year. I think they're getting back into form. And they've gotten the right pieces that fit that puzzle that they had in that strength and numbers creed back in 2015, 2016, when they won 73, you know, wins and they set, you know, the record in the sport. And then they won the championship in 2015. 
that team was deep. It wasn't just a one-man team. It wasn't a super team. They worked together as a team, and they played beautiful basketball, that that motion offensive system. You had your defensive guys. You had Draymond Green masterminding and headlining that defense. You had Stephen Clay that played so well without the ball, and they just overwhelmed teams, especially in that 2015-2016 season. So it's been amazing seeing you know the Warriors just click. It's been amazing seeing that, and we all are anticipating when Klay Thompson comes back. We're hoping that maybe Christmas Day or somewhere around Christmas, he comes back so we can see him in action and see him in you know a lot of high-intensity games as the season draws closer to the All-Star break. But I want to start with a positive. I mean, Steph Curry, amazing. Draymond Green, I think he did a serviceable job on Kevin Durant. Like, KD didn't just go crazy tonight. Kevin Durant had 19 points. Shot 6 of 19 from the floor, only two three-pointers, only made it to the line for six attempts. So Draymond Green, I think, did his job pretty well, pretty much. Um, and that's the reason why they lost. I mean, the game wasn't close because, you know, KD didn't get close to his numbers. KD didn't get, didn't get close to that 29 points a game number that he was having coming into the game. Uh, but, of course, I just is there anything positive to say? I mean, I think, is that it? Because I want to get to the Nets because I, I don't want to be that guy that continuously hounds the Nets. But I have kept my eye on the Nets on league pass and national games these past few weeks, ever since the NBA has started. And I see a very troubling trend for the Nets. And, of course, I hate that it always has to go back to Kyrie. But I was telling my dad this as I was watching the game with him. The Nets are built to be a super team. You know, back in 20, um, the 2010, 2011, 2012, 2013, 2014 years, when the Heat, the Heatles, you had you know LeBron and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh, because you were funneling so much money to them, even though they took pay cuts to play with, e- with each other, you couldn't get real serviceable role players. So you got older players, you got players on minimum deals, and like they fit the puzzle because you have three dominant guys. Really, well, if you don't, if you want to say Chris Bosh, Hall of Famer, he wasn't dominant. I will give you that. He was nowhere near the productivity that he you know put up in with Toronto. But my thing is that LeBron was probably the best LeBron we saw in the Heat uniform. And then you had Dwayne Wade that still was Dwayne Wade, right? So that team was built around them. It was built around their skill set. It was built around what they brought to the floor. And you had three superstars that knew how to put the ball in the basket, right? But let's say LeBron was now on that team. Let's say Chris Bosh was now on that team. Those pieces, those role players, the Shane Battiers, the Carlos Arroyos and the Mike Bibbies that came through, you know, the Joel Anthony's that were on the team and stayed on the team, the James Joneses, they hit the same if you didn't have that that third star, that second star, what if it was just LeBron and Chris Bosh? What if it was just even worse, Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh? Would that team still have hit the same? I don't think it would have because you had a bunch of specialists on that bench, even when you got Ray Allen. And if you remember, Rashad Lewis went to the, to the Heat too. He didn't have a lot of playing time, especially in meaningful moments. Ray Allen did, but Rashad Lewis went down there. That team was built to complement the superstar players that they had in that big three. Of course, with the Warriors, you didn't really see that. Now, you saw a lot of great players fall by the wayside because they wanted to continue to keep, you know, their core of star future Hall of Fame players, but they still had a great team that fit 
because Kevin Durant fits seamlessly into their system. But if you look at the Nets, it's very similar to how the Heat were constructed, where the team is built to complement the superstars. So that team is built to have Kyrie Irving and three superstars on the team and on the court. Because that lineup, if you think about it, think about the lineup where Steve Nash decides, I think he did it tonight. He decides, I'm not going to put Kevin Durant or James Harden to lead this second unit. I'm going to put Patty Mills, um, Anthony Carter, Bruce Brown. Like Now, Paul Millsap was injured, but they'll put Paul Millsap out there with Blake Griffin, or they'll put LaMarcus Aldridge out there, maybe a Blake Griffin or Paul Millsap, and they let that second unit run without one of their big stars. And you see oftentimes, especially against the better teams that they've lost to, such as the Bucks, the Hornets, the Heat, the Bulls, and the Warriors, that just doesn't work because they're going to pick you apart. Because, like, there's not a lot of shot creation on the floor, even with a Patty Mills. Patty Mills ain't Kyrie Irving. And if we were in a different world, a different season, COVID didn't exist, Kyrie Irving would be running with that second unit. You would have all three players on the floor at at, at once. At, at some point in time, you have all three of them on the floor at once, and then you'll give one or two of them rest. Like, you want to give Kevin Durant and James Harden rest, Kyrie would be running with that unit. So you might have Kyrie play off the ball and let Patty Mills be the point guard, or you have Kyrie run that offense. They are suffering without Kyrie, yes, but that's old. We've talked about that. We've said that. The reason why they're suffering is because this team is built to be a super team, and I just do not think, and I could be dead wrong, and I'll take it. You know how I am with the Shakari thing, with everything. I will admit when I'm wrong. So if they go on and win the championship after this, it is what it is. But I do not believe in this new NBA with the surplus of talent and the surplus of, honestly, we have a few very well-built and deep teams. And this can be said about the Lakers as well. I don't believe that the construction of your team as a super team, getting these max players, they take, they take up all the money and then you have to sign older guys on minimum deals or younger guys that are unproven on minimum deals and vet minimums and all these different things. I just don't think that that is conducive to success. Now, granted, that would mean that if that's the case and the superstar tandems don't matter anymore, the Warriors could win with strength in numbers. Maybe the Jazz win this year. Maybe the Heat grind it out of the East. Maybe the Bulls shock everyone because these are the teams that are turning up and, and putting it together. But that's the problem that I saw on tonight. The Nets are not a great team. And I've said this before, and I want to reiterate this again. I think that success is like deodorant at times. When you win games and you have talent like Kevin Durant, like James Harden, and you have serviceable players that can make it happen like Patty Mills and Bruce Brown and Nick Claxton when he's in the lineup, you're not going to go winless. You're going to win games. It, just having Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant's going to will you to win regardless. I don't care if James Harden is getting zero points or 48 points. If you have Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant is going to always be consistent. Even tonight shooting 6-19, and 19, he still got 19 points. He still had some pretty good shots. He still did get to the line, although it was less than he normally does get to the line. So you got to be fine regardless. But look at the teams that they beat. 76ers. The 76ers who were controlling that game the whole entire time, then they just collapsed in the second quarter. This is the second half. They did not, there's no reason why they should have lost. No reason why. And the 76ers have been doing really well since then. The Wizards, the Wizards have been doing really well, but they just didn't show up. They didn't show up. 
I thought that, may, you know what, maybe they'll win, but they just didn't show up. The Pacers played them really tough because you do not want to see the Pacers on your schedule, especially when you're struggling because the Pacers will play you tough and they don't even have their whole entire team back yet because I think Karis LeVert is going to be a star for them and Malcolm Brogdon has been in and out the lineup. I'm telling you, when they get Karis LeVert and Malcolm, and Malcolm Brogdon back, a lot of these playoff contending teams in the East and West better watch out when you see the Pacers on your schedule because the Pacers without Karis LeVert, I think Malcolm Brogdon didn't play that game. They still played the Nets hard, and then they were really contending with them until the fourth quarter, and James Harden didn't even play all that well in that game, right? And then the Pistons, they beat the Pistons twice. Whoopee. The Pistons suck. Whoopee. You beat the Hawks. The Hawks are a good team. They're just not putting it together, and they're suffering a playoff hangover. But even in that game, James Harden went into the halftime. It was on ESPN National Television. He went into the half with three points, and the only reason why he didn't, he wasn't scoreless is because he had a three-pointer at the end of the second quarter. He was terrible that game, and the Hawks just could not bring it home because that's been their problem. The Raptors, that was a cool win. I'll give you that one. Cool win. But the Magic, you should have beat the Magic. You should have beat them. You play them again. I think what on Friday, you should beat them. And the Pelicans, why were the Pelicans so close? They played the Pelicans on Friday. James Harden had a great game. Why were y'all so close to the Pelicans? The Pelicans without Zion Williamson. Brandon Ingram is back from an injury. They're like, what, two or three in, in Sunday? They have like two, three wins? Why are you so close with them? You beat the Thunder. You're supposed to beat the Thunder. I was hoping that, you know, the Thunder would squeak it out. But you're supposed to beat the Thunder. But look at the teams they lost to. Tonight, they lose to the Warriors. They lost to the Bucks opening night. Lost to the Hornets that have, have like the top offense in basketball. One of the few of them. The Heat, really tough defense. And then they have offensive firepower not a match. Then you lose to the Bulls that are playing great team ball on both sides of the floor. And then your next few games, you play the Cavaliers twice and Evan Mobley is going to be injured because he has his, this elbow issue he's dealing with. But the Cavaliers have been playing good ball. The Celtics, that's trying to get back right, and, and you know Jalen Brown's going to be out, but Jason Tatum could just turn up on you. And who's to say Jalen Brown won't be back in the lineup for that game? Who's to say he's not planning for that? The Suns, the Suns have won nine straight games. And the Knicks, they sort of slid a little bit. They were starting off the season hot. Now they've gone down a bit. But the Knicks still have a physical defense, and they have more offensive firepower. Bro, I don't know how that's going to go. I think they could split these games. I think maybe they win against the Cavaliers, but they lose to the Suns and the Knicks. And maybe they beat the Celtics. But the fact that they're 3-2, and two, oh, the Nets are doing so great because success is like deodorant when you're musty. It don't change the fact you musty because you need to go take a shower, take a bath. It just, you know, just mask it a little bit. And maybe for a second it might work. But then eventually you start sweating, and then the must starts seeping out, and you stink. Telling you the Nets are not a good team. Kevin Durant is a band-aid, and they just put on a bunch of deodorant and they musty. That's I'm just going off of what I see on the court. When Kevin Durant has a bad game, they're gonna lose. Now, James Harden had a better game. James Harden had 24 points. But here's the thing: he only made six field goals and attempted 13. You want to know the reason why he had such a great game? He went to the foul line 11 times and made 10. I really want James Harden to find some way to be productive without getting to the free throw line. Because I think that with the rate of how these referees have been calling these games in the regular season, 
we get to the playoffs, they're going to swallow that whistle literally. You might have to do the Heimlich maneuver on them. They're going to swallow it. So, like, you already know the playoffs get more physical, but at this rate, a lot of the cheap fouls you're still getting by doing your same old moves are just simply not going to happen. And James Harden has been so up and down this whole entire year. I'm, I'm even questioning, will James Harden even be an all-star this year? I'm, I'm really questioning it, especially the fact that Ja has never made it. You still have LaMelo out there. Like, you know, a couple of these other guys, uh, you know, Devin Booker never legitimately made it. He always would make it as an alternate when someone got injured. So you have Devin Booker that's never fully made it. Would James Harden even be an all-star this year? A question that he's answering. Because remember Paul George, yeah, Paul George, did Paul George make it last year? Because I just, I'm just with these nets. I just don't know, man. Like, and no one wants to talk about it in the mainstream media. They want to stick on the Lakers because it's fun. And yeah, it's funny. The Lakers, the Lakers suck right now. Like, they are terrible. They play good teams too. The Bulls beat them down too. Beat them down worse than they beat down the Nets. But when are we going to talk about the fact that the Nets are not the team y'all are making it out to be? The Nets are pretty much the Lakers. But James Harden and Kevin Durant played together last year, and they played together for years in Oklahoma City. And then LeBron's been out the lineup. Kevin Durant, although he's battling a shoulder injury, he's playing through it, and he's still doing well. I just want that same energy, man, just period. That's all I want. Give me that same energy. And I know we're asking that from the media. They have to get ratings. They have to get clicks. Stephen A has to say something salacious. I understand the game. And I do like the fact that we're putting an emphasis on the Warriors. But do the Nets have to drop these next five games, or at least because they play the Magic? But do they have to drop, you know, these next like five or six games, or like five out of the six games for y'all to just be like, you know what? I think something's amiss here. And I think it's deeper than Kyrie. Now, granted, do I think that Kyrie would cure the problem? Yes, I do. Because the team is built to be a super team. You bring Kyrie, and Kyrie brings his 20-plus points a game. I think Kyrie evens out at, like, what, like, maybe 24, 25 points a game. And then 50, 40, 90, he can stretch the floor. And then he's a ball handler, and James Harden can play point. And then Kyrie can go get buckets for you alongside Kevin Durant. And then Kyrie might have a great game with Kevin Durant has, like, a, like a quiet 19-point game. And Kyrie's game is not predicated on getting to the line. And no one, even great defenders, can cover him because he's so adept at dribbling. I think that Kyrie would help them. But also that also realize that Kyrie's going to help them because the team is built to be a super team. Blake Griffin's not going to help you night in and night out. He's not at this phase of his career anymore. Same thing with LaMarcus Aldridge and Paul Millsap. Patty Mills is honestly the best you got because Patty Mills is a bucket. He's really about the best you got. And Patty Mills struggled tonight too. Three of eight, two of five on three-pointers, no free throws, only eight points. Shout out to Bruce Brown. Like Bruce Brown was doing pretty good. He got a couple and ones. He hit a, hit a three-pointer. Six of, he, what, six of eight. Very, very efficient tonight. But that's just not going to cut it. I'm sorry. I just, on this podcast, on the NBA Update, on Pulse Sports, I just want to keep that same energy with the Nets. But we'll see what happens. Um, They lost. 117 to 99 also with the Warriors I want to really show them love because the Warriors they're looking like a championship team and they're giving me those 2014 through 2016 vibes before Kevin Durant came on the team and metaphorically ruined basketball by joining an already stacked 73 and 9 team
and just taking to the championship every year. But it is what it is. Um, you know, hopefully, you know, we get a better matchup in what February. I think the next time they play is going to be February um, because because Kevin Durant's going back to Oracle for the first time with fans. So maybe that, you know, run it back, you know, rubber match will be better. Um, Clay Thompson will be back. So we'll see the indication of what Clay Thompson will be and what that Warriors team as we approach the playoffs will be. And maybe James Harden goes to form. But I'm interested also to see how that Christmas matchup, because Christmas is my birthday. Shout out to me. If you didn't know, all right, Christmas is my born day. I mean, I would love some happy birthdays to whoever is listening to the podcast, all right? But I would love to see on Christmas Day what these Nets look like and if they're going to play up to the Lakers and just stomp the Lakers. That's what I really want to know. <laughs> or are they going to be exposed on national television, you know, if, especially if the Lakers have their full squad back and they finally get it rolling and LeBron comes back and Russ starts to play within the offense, Anthony Davis starts to play better, Carmelo still heats it up and just comes off the bench and gets buckets. Avery Bradley, my guy. Shout Avery Bradley. <laughs> He starts putting it together. I'm really interested to see what that game turns into, all right? And I would go on and on about the Lakers and that loss to the Bulls. So don't think I'm being nitpicky. I like to be equal opportunity. That was terrible. But tonight is not the time. I just wanted to give my visceral thoughts about what has been going on with the Brooklyn Nets and what I thought about this game. The defensive schemes were really cool that the Warriors were running. I think they might have done a masterclass at how you can slow down and stop this Brooklyn offense, especially with James Harden, like not really heating it up like he normally does. Because to hold Kevin Durant and James Harden to only 12 made field goals in a single game is amazing with both of them being offensive firepowers. I think that that's really amazing. So I think that maybe the boxing one set you know, the different, you know, defensive sets where they're trapping at the top and they're trapping James Harden and Kevin Durant. And they even were trapping Patty Mills, forcing the ball out of his hands and making him rotate it around and really taking advantage of Harris being out because he was injured. Joe Harris was out. So you're taking advantage of the fact that you don't have that extra shooter on the floor. Maybe, maybe these teams should really be taking notes. Maybe the Cavaliers and JV Biggerstaff should be watching. Maybe the Celtics should be watching. Every team does not have the athletes that, that the Warriors have. And you still have Andre Iguodala that comes off that bench. But I'm just saying. But, you know, we'll see what happens. I'm excited to see what goes on um, in these next few games. Uh, they're going to be playing the Cavaliers on tomorrow in a back-to-back. So we're going to see what happens with that. And I might colorcast that. So make sure to follow me on colorcast at Randall Barnes. I might colorcast that. I'm not colorcasted in a minute. Um, but, you know, we're going to see what happens. And also make sure to listen to the NBA update on live on colorcast. But also it will be on Pulse Radio instantly. Make sure to tap into that and also follow Pulse Radio 100 on TikTok, on Twitter, on Instagram at Pulse Radio 100, or just follow us on YouTube at Pulse Radio. We're going to do more on there, all right? But outside of that, have a great night, and I hope the Nets can sleep well because what the world, all right? Tap, tap, tap in. You're listening to Pulse Radio with Randall and Shelby, the heart of the culture.